uh, can you talk about your um, uh, experiences with the Border Collie and what made you, um, what drove you to, to owning and, and competing and breeding that, that style of dog? Well, we've always had herding dogs, and we have, all of our best friends have ranches, and it's just how our life has been. And one day, we were at the Cattlemen's Association. A friend of mine said, do you know anybody who wants a border collie puppy? I've got a gorgeous litter of puppies up here, but I don't have any homes. And my husband had just lost his German Shepherd, and I grabbed my girlfriend and said, let's go out to the Lone Star Ranch and look at puppies. And I came home with JJ. That was our first. And we just got him as a companion, but he was fabulous. And then... We decided to put him in training, and we went over to Merlin Sandy at Cowdog College, and uh, JJ did fabulous, but Sandy thought we needed a little bit more dog, and another friend was breeding a really nice litter, some old, old stock, and of course me, I bought every single book on the old bloodlines, and it turned out there were some really good bloodlines, and we bought Edie, and my husband um, had so much fun with her, but when you do USBCH on Cowdog College, it's on horseback. And so we were always borrowing horses to, you, you literally are gathering cattle on horseback. Well, then, of course, that led, we had to buy a horse. And then after we bought that horse, we decided to breed her, and then we got another horse out of her and sent that one for training, and pretty soon we have three horses and ten border collies, and, you know, it was so much fun. It was really a lot of fun, and my husband is one of those people that once he starts something, he gets really involved in it. Right. And so um, he was traveling quite a bit and trialing his dogs with USBCHA. I always United States Border Collie Association is what it is. Uh-huh. And but he was doing the cow dog thing. He was not doing sheep. Okay. And so it's a little rougher and tougher, and it's on horseback. So then you, it's a lot easier to have your own horse than to borrow a horse from somebody. And so now basically he there, there's not a lot of trials anymore. They kind of can't canceled over the last couple of years several of the ranches that were holding them sold out and so basically what he's done on horseback with his dogs is go to the ranches and help gather cattle all the time now which he has a lot more fun than going to the trials so he actually has a working cow pony and his working dogs wow. and that's how we actually got into it and then several people in the akc world bought dogs for me to do agility with and herding with uh-huh. and they just excelled phenomenally and uh, a good friend of mine that owns Hurting For You down in Vacaville, Debbie Pollard, she took a female from that because it was out of her meal that we bred, and now she's gone on with her whole bloodline and with Border Collies out of the foundation bitch that she got from me. So Debbie's kind of carrying it on for me because I'm at the point where it's hard to find homes for working Border Collies that uh-huh. I feel... You know, unless they're a rancher, they're going to work their dogs. These dogs need to be worked. They really need exercise. And my husband takes four dogs to work with him every day. I'm not kidding you. Wow. Four dogs every day. And then he runs them on the river bar and he stops and he uses them to gather cattle. And we've got, yeah, six, six boarders. Yeah, and one young one. And uh, they've been great dogs, but he really does a lot of training with them, a lot mm-hmm. of foundation work, and they listen to his every word. They're his dogs. So I lost my last border two years ago. She was really nice, but I kind of feel that adding any more dogs is taking away time from my other dogs. Right, right. Can you explain the 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 good and the bad about the border collie? You know, it's really hard to say bad. Right. And you, even though you hear all these things about, oh, you don't want a border collie, you don't do that. I think the key is exercise, and we're pretty. Um, active and we're on four acres the dogs get turned out to run all the time 
And if you do foundation work, and you, the most important thing to teach a Border Collie, actually any dog, is to settle, mm-hmm. to chill, to learn how to relax. Mm-hmm. And the bad part is people don't teach their dogs foundation. They don't teach them to wait at the door. They don't teach them to wait for the... They don't teach them to be sound and settle in their body. Mm-hmm. That's the bad part because then you can get an, in, in a, a neurotic dog that's running everything. My husband can literally drop all the dogs in a row and they will not break because they know not to break their stays. Mm-hmm. They're really easy to train. I think our border collies, to be honest with you, they're easier than my bearded collies because mm-hmm. the bearded are kind of like, uh, wahoo, and the boars are, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And it could be the dogs that we picked, but I have to say is a lot of the dogs that have gone out from our bloodline, people have said this is the best dog they've ever owned. Because they settle, they calm down. Mm-hmm. But we did quite a few seminars in the early days. There was a really nice um, trainer out of Canada called Elvin Kopp, and he'd won the Calgary Stampede with his Border Collies, and I did a week-long seminar with him over in Red Bluff, and it was phenomenal mm-hmm. what he taught us as far as getting your dogs to settle. Very quiet way, mm-hmm. very quiet, um, starting them at eight weeks, mm-hmm. if not sooner. Well, most of the people that got dogs for me were ranchers mm-hmm. or somebody that had stock, mm-hmm. and they knew what they were looking looking for, and I would ask them what they were doing mm-hmm. and what was their experience with Border Collies, and I got lucky in that so many of the people had already had Border Collies before, and they knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and a couple of agility homes that got dogs for me were phenomenal. They've gone on to win master agility championships they're all experienced people i don't think i've ever sold the border to anybody that hadn't had one before because i'm kind of hard to find so if they found me they were looking mm-hmm. you know it wasn't just a casual it wasn't an ad in the paper it was right. you know so-and-so's got these border collies and they're really nice or i've had people say what are you doing your next litter would you put me down and this is what i'm looking for mm-hmm. So the main criteria was, have you been around Border Collies? A lot like with the Beardies, and the care is not near as much as far as coat and stuff on the borders. Mm-hmm. Well, when I, I, I think the future for all dogs with reputable breeders is good because a lot of people are doing health tests. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. When I bought my first border from a, the ranching area, no health test had been done at all. Mm-hmm. And I took it upon myself to do the health tests on the dog, and Pass with flying colors, but my attitude was, if they don't aren't healthy, or if they don't work, they're down the road. So they're not keeping, you know, something that doesn't work. Um, and so they're not testing. Most of them weren't testing back there. I think the future is good for them because people are doing the health test. I did hips and I did eyes. One thing we did have though, which was really interesting, was my husband was at a branding. And somebody brought a female in season, and she was loose. Nobody knew it. And she bred to one of our males that had all his health tests done. And I told my husband, I said, you know what? You're looking for a new female, even though she was a crossbred. You know, they weren't quite sure of her pedigree. Mm-hmm. I said, why don't you take a puppy out of Sterling and Silver's female? Because she, they're really good-working dogs. So we took a puppy, Sue, gorgeous female, looks just like the male that we own. And that was the, the puppy we wanted. And we had her about a year and a half. We still have her, but at a year and a half, she started crusting up on her nose, her eyes. And, you know, I took her to the vets, 
and he sent a, a sample to UC Davis, and she has lupus. Oh, wow. And she can't go outside. She can't go in the sun. Her kennel's covered, so she's out early in the morning, and the fog's in. She's loose, and we have to use a 50 sunscreen on her. We've got her on supplements, and she's lost all the pigment. And if you if she's in the sun, it breaks out into bleeding ulcers. Yeah. And I tell people this. I said, this is out of a dog that was a crossbred, a mess, you know. So this was not out of a purebred dog. This was out of a dog found on the side of the road, I mean, basically, with no health test done or anything. And I said, so you can't always say as purebred dogs have all these issues. Right. You know, and, and who's to say the click happened that somehow she's got lupus. I've never had a dog with lupus in 40 years. And when I went to my vet, he said, this looks like lupus. I said, really? Which is an autoimmune disease. Right. And she, she looks fabulous. She's never sick. She looks great. But she can't be in the sun at all. Right. At all. <clears throat> if, uh, what breed of dog that you've never owned or handled personally that interests you the most and why? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> you can name your, so... na- name your top three. <laughs> My top three? Well, I would probably go back if I could find a German Shepherd like I started with. Uh-huh. I love, my first German Shepherd steel was phenomenal. He was old bloodlines. Mm-hmm. I got a CD on him in three straight shows, a CDX on him. By, by the time he was two years old, he had his top two obedience titles. Mm-hmm. He was the most gentle dog, the best. If I could get another steel in a heartbeat, even though he was 90 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, he was just a fabulous dog. So right off the bat, steel comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wouldn't go anything in the toy group but I would probably stick to the herding group there's so many herding breeds that, that attract me uh-huh. um, the beery still comes to me being my favorite I mean it's just I, I have my cardigan Welsh Corgi I absolutely love her I've had cardigans I've bred cardigans I've had borders um, I probably will always have a beardy and, and I, know, I know you're saying that I, I haven't owned but if I had to I did have um, I looked at Picardi's which is a, um, it's the, they call it the Winn-Dixie dog, and I like those. But I read a lot about them and said they had to be heavily socialized or they could be shy, and I kind of steer away from that because uh-huh. I don't want to have to keep dealing with a shy dog. It's just a lot of work. Um, boy, top of my, probably my German Shepherd, but I owned it. So you're asking for anyone I've never owned. That's mm-hmm. a tough question. That's a really tough question. I have to really think about that. <laughs> you know what? It probably would be a poodle. Yeah. It probably would be a poodle. I got to say, it probably would yeah. be a poodle. I probably would go for that. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, I know what a dog I'd love to own. Uh-huh. A Whippet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would love to own a Whippet. Yeah. Um, I looked into Whippets years ago, but they were really sen- uh, sensitive to chemicals. Uh-huh. And that was before we came out with Advantage and we have such a flea problem. Uh-huh. I didn't want a dog that I couldn't deal with fleas, you know, on. Uh-huh. So I love a Whippet. Definitely a Whippet and a Poodle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool breed. I think that they're really neat little dogs. I wouldn't want anything really big, though. I think a Whippet. Italian Greyhounds, I like them, but they're too fragile. I'd probably break one. Yeah. You know, they're really, they're really neat little dogs. But, and I also, I actually have liked though, the Sussex Spaniel. They're really cool little dogs. Yeah, I so, do. I love those too. Yep. I'm, I'm lucky that um, 
I have restraint as I get older because I probably own one of every hurting breed. Hurting <laughs> yeah. breed or some of those. My girlfriend shows Irish setters and she has beautiful Irish setters. They're just gorgeous, but they're too big for me. Right. They're just too big. Yeah, too much dog. No, I could see a Whippet. I, I think Whippet would probably go to the top because there's no grooming and they're really cool dogs. Why did you choose the Black Russian Terrier and um, how long have you had this breed? Sure. Uh, we've had the Black Russian Terrier, had one in my home since 2009. We made the decision to get one in 2007. Um, meeting one in person was a big part of our decision, but we were looking at uh, giant schnauzers and bouviers, uh, having uh, had Dobermans for 20 years before and got a little tired of the cancer and the heart disease. We really wanted a dog that was healthier, strong, and still had that great working temperament. Exactly. Um, for for people not familiar familiar with this breed, um, can you tell us uh, a little bit about about them and and the good and the bad? Sure. Um, the good and the bad are all on the same list. Yeah. Um, they're they're intelligent, and uh, that can be good and bad. If mm -hmm. if they outthink you, you're kind of in trouble. These guys are known for opening doors and gates and all kinds of baffles that you can come up with, mm -hmm. and they can work around because they watch you and they're very smart. Mm -hmm. um, they're a very strong breed. Uh, they are a large breed. That's a great thing, but it's very expensive when it comes to feeding healthcare mm -hmm. and grooming yeah. um, you're going to pay more money for that longer uh, for that bigger breed mm -hmm. um, they are grooming intensive so even if you're not keeping a, any type of a show coat and you're just keeping a puppy type cut every time you go to the groomer they're going to ask for $200 so it's a very expensive dog to mm -hmm. groom that's a drawback definitely something uh, you'll need to learn to do yourself and, unless you can afford those very expensive haircuts yeah and what are some of the activities that you do uh, with your Black Russians? So for mine, um, I train them all on the treadmill, but uh, that's just to maintain exercise and good body condition. But I like uh, dock diving, water retrieval. They're very strong swimmers. Um, but a lot of dogs do uh, obedience work, rally work, um, lure coursing, fast cat. Uh, some, some do herding. Um, depends on the prey drive on the dog. Right. Not too many do agility just because they're so wide and heavy. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of different activities they can participate in. One thing they really excel at that I think is a lot of fun is scent work and uh, tracking. Awesome. Sure. Um, the ideal situation is a family with kids over the age of 10. Um, they're active. They're busy. The kids are old enough to participate in care with the dog. I don't worry about a, a 60, 70 pound uncoordinated puppy knocking over a toddler because mm -hmm. that is a tragedy waiting to happen. Um, but uh, they're active families going out to, you know, camping and going to the beach and doing stuff and doing a lot with their, their dogs, hiking and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think families um, with older kids are a great, great, uh, best best place for, for mm -hmm. black washing. Mm-hmm. And what is your uh, favorite breed that you've never owned or handled but are interested in? The Affin Pincher. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truthfully, um, I've only had large breed dogs. Uh, my husband's had smaller breeds, but I'm a large breed dog person. But they just have the courage of a lion. 
and uh, they're just very intense and fierce and seem to be very strong-willed, and that's very attractive <laughs> and intelligent, but I can't tell you I'd ever do it. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I used to breed the American Bulldogs, um, so obviously I was looking for the origins of the dog. I learned a lot about Alinor dogs and so on, you know, and when I got into the Willikuta, well, my first thing was I used to try to find the original bulldog. That was my aim as a youngster, try to get the original bulldog, get the original dog back on its form, bring it back to the United Kingdom. Anyway, after I left that, before that, I was into the BK anyway. I was always looking for that dog. You know, if I could find that perfect dog here, it might be my luck because I heard about them bringing them over to um, India. Obviously, being a young young boy, you don't really have much understanding about history. You don't look into things. But when I got into the Bulikuta, my first thing was do your research, look into the history, find out everything about it that you possibly can. And if that means that you have to stay up all night, so be it. What I learned from the Bulikuta was that their nature is completely different to any other breed. They've got characteristics of other breeds that are not even mastiffs. They've got intelligence of that. So it interested in me more. And not just that, I thought to myself, hold on a minute, I'm trying to put the British dogs out there. Why not I go back to Pakistan and do theirs? I mean, I'm British, I'm born British. You know, family's been here since the 50s. But Pakistan is where our roots are. So I thought, you know what, I'm struggling here with the British breed, so let's go Bully Kutta. Started looking at dogs, started looking at dogs, and eventually I found one guy, he imported one. The bitch wasn't all that, but I know all the pedigree, I know the whole bloodline, so I found out everything, and then I decided to purchase a Bully Kutta and go down that route. And I've never looked back, and I don't think I ever will. For the size and everything, that dog won't even flinch. It will not touch anybody. I've done this. I've done tests with my friends' children. I've I've put their babies. You know, their their babies are there. I'm there as well. They're sitting with the baby. The dog will not even look at the baby. Won't even touch the baby. Um, my friend's two-year-old. I think she was two or three, three years old. I think she was. And uh, I said to him, one, he goes, he goes, look, she loves your dog. Can she? Can you? Can you? Can she walk him? I said, of course she can. Walk her, sorry. So anyway, she decided to walk her, and I was like, you know what? Let me hold the lead because she really pulls. But Sean, what I learned was that day I saw this. She didn't even, t- she didn't pull. She didn't pull at all. She knew that a child was holding her. So naturally, the intelligence is so good. It, it, they scent. They can pick up on things. Mm-hmm. Okay, their guarding ability is amazing. You could, tell, you know, you know, you get them soppy eye look that the dogs give you when you tell them off. Yeah, they're so good at doing that. They're good at telling you that there's something wrong. They will tell you when when there's an issue. They will tell you, look, I've got an issue. They will approach you. They will keep bugging you. They will keep bugging you. The thing about the Bulikuta, the greatness about the Bulikuta is it's such an amazing companion if it's brought up properly. 
Now, what we've got to remember is, this is where we make a mistake. The Bulikuta has not been domesticated for thousands and thousands of years. How has it not been domesticated? Because in Pakistan, there's one keeper, you bring the dog out, walk him around, exercise him, put him back in. They prepare him for the game. You know, that's all that happens. The dog doesn't get told, sit down, give me paw, do this, do that. It wouldn't do that. They don't teach them that. So what happens is the dog becomes more or less wild. But when we bring these dogs over, we instantly, our initial thing is, yeah, the dogs, it's just a dog. No, it's not just a dog. This is another thing people need to get into their heads. It is a wild dog that has never been tamed. You will have to make effort with it. You will have to give time to the breed. You know, eventually when generations go on, they'll be more tamed. But for now, Bulikuta owners need to know this, that these dogs are not general, um, how can I say, domesticated dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, because in fact, some people don't keep them in their houses. They keep them on their roof or they keep them in kennels and so on. A majority of people who have these are landowners, you know, like... Uncle Bob from down the road, he won't have it. He'd rather have a, rather have a German Shepherd or a Rottweiler than a Bulikuta because they don't understand the qualities of this breed. Mm-hmm. They don't understand it because no one's taught them. No one's given them the chance. They have not given the breed the chance to show its true beauty. Well, they drool, but they don't drool heavy. Um, their coat is very thin, coarse coat, so, you know, it's minimum sh- shredding of the coat. You know, don't get me wrong, when they do shake that muzzle, you do get a lot of draw. They do surrender to command. A lot of people will say to you, no, they won't surrender to command. Because what happened was, when I got the bully a lot of people said, right, you're going to have problems, mate. These dogs are stubborn. You can't tame this dog, this, that, and the other. But I proved it. I showed everyone. Mm -hmm. I showed everything that this is how the bully is. You know, but one thing I must say, I must say, the Bulikuta is not for an unexperienced owner. Mm-hmm. It's not for it's not for anyone because what it is, the strength in the dog. If it wants to go, it will drag a sixteen stone man flat on his face. Mm-hmm. They like to sleep a lot. They love sleeping. If they could sleep all day, they would sleep all day. But the thing is, when you take them out, that dog is gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like having an English bulldog in your house and then when it's gone out, when you take that English bulldog out, it turns into a lurcher. Right. <laughs> that is exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what they are. They've got natural guard instincts. You know, they've, they will protect their family at any cost. We need to be... For Bulikuta owners, we need to be genuine people who are willing to make the commitment and who are willing to take the breed further. There's no point in you owning a Bulikuta if you cannot handle the breed. If you just want a dog to be a macho man or if you want to be on the dog just to say that I've got a Bulikuta, you might as well close that chapter and go and get yourself a Staffy or a Pitbull. The Bulikuta sometimes has skin condition. It gets dry skin, like eczema. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, not like, not like eczema. Uh, things like psoriasis. You know right. where your skin gets flat? Right. They get that, but I've seen that in bulldogs anyway. I've seen that. But there's every, every issue that the bulikuta has, there's a solution. The other issue uh, that they have is um, they're very, very stubborn. The, the, the biggest issue with the bulikuta is their stubbornness. Uh-huh. They do have skin, they get skin conditions, but obviously there's ways that we can counter them, we can fight them. Mm-hmm. Another thing is their bone structure, their whole, whole frame structure doesn't develop until around three months old. So their frame is not formed until that period. Mm-hmm. They're very large dogs, they grow very, very fast. I advise people to firstly give them calcium. Don't give them cow's milk either. A lot of people like to give them cow's milk. Don't give them that. It's high in lactose. Right. Goat's milk is good. If you want to give your dog's milk, give it goat's milk. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know, all dog men know that goat's, goat's milk is the best for dogs. We all know that. Mm-hmm. We don't need no scientific proof for that. Yeah, it is vicious. And it is a protector of office property. It will protect this family. But the bulikuta, only on the last minute would that dog do anything. I don't really see a negative side to them, unless you want to say that their bark is so loud that it will scare your neighbours, if you want to say that's negative. And when they cry, they... Trust me, they whine. Thing, it's like a baby. I'm not even joking, and it's horrible because you're thinking, "Hold on, where's that coming from? Is that my dog or is that a baby?" So if you want, if you want to put that as a negative, by all means, that can be a negative. <laughs> They're easily maintained. You can easily look after them. But if you want to work with them, you've got to train. You've got to work hard with them. It's with anything. You put effort into it, you get results. If you don't want to put effort into it, you ain't getting no results. Okay, viciousness is vicious towards other dogs. Yeah, they are, but this is naturally in them. Male dogs, male dogs naturally, even if you look, there's other breeds out there. If you look at the bull terriers or even the bulldogs or even lurchers, dogs like that, even uh, huskies, they don't like males. Mm-hmm. A lot of dogs don't like males. So that's, that's what it is. The bullies with the females, they're all right. But with male dogs, they're not really friendly. Mm-hmm. But this is not a fault within the breed. If your dog hasn't got that, your dog's not pure bulikuta. Mm-hmm. If your dog's not got no gameness in it, if it ain't got aggression, you know like the feeler, we have the feeler, mm-hmm. even if it bites a judge, it doesn't get disqualified. Why? Because it, it's naturally bred into that breed, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Same with the bully. It's not. Don't get me wrong, it wouldn't actually bite a judge. Maybe one or two of them would. The old blood might do. Mm-hmm. The pure, the purest might do. You know, but a lot of the dogs nowadays, I doubt it very much because what we're seeing is a lot of crossbreeds coming into the countries. Crossbreeds in the sense that Asil with Burana or Nagi, you know, not crossbreed with any other breed, but just bully kutas. Mm-hmm. So they're bullies, but crossed in bullies. Mm-hmm. I like the dogo. Mm-hmm. I like the dogo very much. Um, I see a lot of, I mean, with the dogo, I know like how the brothers made up 
the breed themselves and how they used you know certain dogs to make up and one breeds extinct today but when i look at that breed i see i see i see bulldog mm-hmm. i see mastiff i see i see pitbull i see everything into one more or less you know the only thing missing from it is probably you know what i see in the bk i don't see that in the dog but my ideal dog i would I, i'll be honest with you i would i would like them i would like them mm-hmm. um the, but it that sean is only because you put me on the spot mm-hmm. and that's coming from the top of my head you know but that's the only other breed i probably reach out to i mean the pit the dogo the toza the feeler oh actually the feeler you know what sean the mm-hmm. feeler would be the one mm-hmm. the feeler would be the one i tell you why because within the feeler there's a lot of characteristics within same as the bulikuta not just that also when we measure the cranium and the muzzle of the bulikuta it's a one to one ratio same as the feeler mm-hmm. so to me that's a very close relative but that's the that's the only two options i've got there the feeler or the dogo to be honest with you I'm saying I love the Patterdale Terrier. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Such an amazing little thing. I mean, cuddly, game, beautiful. Oh, you know what? There's just something about them breed. That breed. My friend owns one actually, and I, I'm just like, you know what? I'm mesmerised by your dog. I really like it. <laughs> so that, that's probably where I'd go. I'd probably go for that. I wouldn't never go down the Frenchie and all that because too many, too much inbreeding. This, that, and the other. Yeah. But where's a Patterdale? Oh, what an amazing dog! Yeah.